Hey, everybody, this is David Jenkins Jr., and you're listening to Boilers in the Stands. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? We are back and better than ever. Uh, Boilers win in convincing fashion by the end of the final score here at Mackey Arena versus the Iowa Hawkeyes. And the magic number to clinch the Big Ten regular season championship moves down to three and four if you want that outright Big Ten championship, which I'm assuming all Boilers fans do. So I am your host, Gregory Braggs Jr. Alongside me, as always, is Craig Bowers from Boiler Diehards Facebook group. Uh, make sure you follow them on Facebook. Over 10,000 Boilers fans uh, talking football, talking basketball, and everything in between. And then underneath, as always, is our guys Joe Jackson and Aiden Coons from their Feed the Post podcast, a Purdue basketball podcast. Uh, just had Willie Berg on here recently. Uh, so make sure you go and follow them on Twitter and find them on Spotify and 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 Apple and everywhere else where you can find audio uh, podcasts. So welcome back guys. I mean, a good bounce back for the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, they, you know, they, they, I, they didn't have a bad loss against Indiana, you know, shooting 52% from the field. And I think tonight they shot 55%. We'll go over the team stats here shortly, but uh, you know, I think I always try to find like the word that stands out to me. And I just think it's consistency you know, today for me, it's just, it just rings so true with this team. They're a consistent team. Uh, you saw tonight, it was the number one versus number two offensive efficient teams in the country, but Purdue is just that much more efficient and consistent when it comes to how they play basketball. Obviously the three point ball helping them a lot tonight. So, um, that's basically my instant reaction for the game. Uh, a nice win for Purdue. Iowa always seems to give them trouble with the press, which we'll talk about here tonight. Craig, what's your instant reaction here for the game? 
Well, you know, like you said, in the end, it was a good win and a 14-point win. Um, you could call convincing, uh, but anybody that sat through the last 10 minutes or so of that game, it didn't feel like it was a convincing win at times. Um, with that said, I thought there were a lot of bright moments in this game, which we'll get down to more in the player breakdown. Uh, but Braden Smith, when you look at his offensive stats today, was just a really, really impressive performance by a freshman. Individually broke the press multiple times. I know there's a lot of people in the chat who uh, sat through the 2016 Iowa game and were having some flashbacks of that 19-point comeback uh, right down in, until the last few minutes of tonight's game. But, you know, in the end, they pulled it out, and they showed enough poise to get there. Uh, 17 turnovers is, is not our high on the season. We had 18 against West Virginia earlier in the season. When you think about the fact that there was just Iowa plays a lot more possessions, they speed you up. They won a bunch of possessions in the game. If you actually look at the turnover rate, uh, this is going to be lower than several other games. I think in the end, uh, because of that specifically. Yeah. And you had some fans here. Um, uh, Blake Widmer said he got to meet you. And it said hi as they passed you in the tunnel here tonight, Craig. So your celebrity is growing. I, you know, I, I'm a man of the people. I, I try to get out and walk around the camp concourse and talk to people that tune into the show or are part of Violet's Boiler Diehards. Always like to hear their stories um, uh, about being viewers or about being part of the group. Yeah. You and Julia Eady for the people. <laughs> yes. You know? Stop. Stop. <laughs> Joe, your instant reaction. <laughs> Yeah, um, at the end of the day, this was a 14-point win. Like, it was a 14-point win over a middle, middle to slightly above, we'll, we'll say middle of the pack Big Ten team, um, a team that has a ton of length, which is, you know, something Purdue doesn't have. Um, you know, and, and I know that we're going to talk about the press, and that's going to be the main talking point because, um, you know, it, it makes it's the way that it was handled a little bit in, or towards the end of the second half, you know, wasn't great, but also, like, I think people are going to forget probably that that Braden Smith stretch in the second half of like, you know, the seven, seven straight minutes of just, you know, pretty much he just dissected the press and then got whatever he wanted in the half court. Um, and, and, you know, he's been, he hasn't quite been there scoring for the past few, you know, three, four games. It felt like, um, and he, and he really got going to, again today. And this was a game that, you know, Iowa um, was very, very physical with Edie down low. Didn't really let him get going. Um, and, but there's still plenty of other pieces around like they, the, the two freshmen come back, come out and just show like why they're so good. First has a double double, um, you know, Morton hits a couple shots. So overall, you know, I think this kind of just shows that this team has so many options. Some games it's the bench and Mason Gillis and some games it's ED has 30 and some games it's the freshman. There's just so many pieces that it's going to be rare for Purdue to be completely off every, or at least for one night. Yeah. Um, that press always seems to give Purdue problems one way or another. I was one of the best in the country at executing it. I mean, Matt Painter said it plenty of times because the first question will always be, and I'm sure there's some people that have said it in the chat, like more teams should do this. You know, it should, you know, Purdue has trouble, you know, but not every team runs it. That's what Matt Painter always says. Well, if you, if this isn't something that's a staple within your system, you try to bust it out for one game. Now, all of a sudden, you're having problems because it's just not something you're used to practicing. So Iowa practices this. That's why they're as good as they are at it. Uh, Braden Smith a few times just said, screw it, I'm going to do it myself, which, you know, was effective, but also at times led to him getting out of gas. Aiden, uh, what was your instant reaction to this game? 
Yeah, similar, but, you know, this was a game, guys, where the number one and number two offenses in the country faced off um, between, you know, Iowa and Purdue. Ken Palm's number one and two. I think now Purdue's two. Iowa might be three. And you held them to 73 points in a winning and a 14-point win, as Joe said. So even if it, it took a while to get there and it wasn't the most fun game to watch, I think you got to be happy with the win uh, over Iowa bouncing back from IU. They came out hot, started to slow down there. And this was one of those games where, you know, it was, it was abundantly clear that no one on the bench really, you know, belonged in this game or, or at least were, were significantly less effective than our starters tonight. Uh, Purdue starters all plus 10 or better in, in, in the plus minus and, and their, you know, their, their bench was all negative. Um, so this was one of those games that you had to ride your starters when your starters weren't out there. It got dicey, especially with the press. Jenkins did not look super comfortable out there. Um, and, and even the starters got a little lazy with the turnovers. But, you know, I think I think this was a game you needed your starters to step up. They did. You needed guys around Edie to step up. They did. Smith and Lawyer, obviously, uh, leading the way there. And, and you got what you needed. Wasn't the most pretty win. Wasn't really fun to watch. I mean, it was during that seven-minute stretch because – no one was stopping anybody, but, uh, you know, it was a good win and, and we'll move forward. Yeah. It certainly seemed like at one point they were trading buckets when it was a 10 point lead for Purdue. Then they started trading buckets when it was a 20 point lead, but then I was able to shrink, shrink it all the way down to six, which we'll, we'll dive into a little deeper after we talk to here, our special guest for the night. Uh, Craig got in touch with Rafael Davis, who, uh, was kind enough to agree to join us here tonight. Uh, I believe he just left Mackey arena here recently. And, uh, he joins us now here to talk some Bluemaker basketball. Uh, Rafe, thanks for joining the show. Can you hear me? Yep, we hear you loud and clear. Oh, yeah, what's going on, fellas? How you doing? Good. How are you? Um, what's up? <laughs> that was a interesting second half. Uh, Purdue gave up 50 points, uh, 53, I think, in the second half. So it was the second, second game in a row. Uh, that Purdue gave up 50 and a half, which is unlike them this year, as as, high, as as good as they've played defensively. You know, did you think it was just because of the flow of the game and the pace of the game with the way Iowa, you know, presses, which kind of forces the tempo to go up? Or is Purdue starting to kind of fall asleep in some defensive areas as far as your assessment of that? Well, no, I just think Iowa competed at a higher level in, the, in that second half. So they had some guys get going. I mean, Chris Murray gets 18 in the second half. So, I mean, it's, it's really not, it's not much you can do once one of those NBA-level guys gets going. But then also, Purdue didn't help themselves. I mean, 12, I think they had 12 turnovers in the second half alone. So, I mean, that's the same thing that happened to Indiana. They had 11 turnovers in that first half at Indiana. And, I mean, Indiana scores in that first half, I think, 14 points off of those 11 turnovers. And then Iowa scores 12 14 points off of the 12 turnovers in the second half. So a combination of an NBA-level guy getting going and then Purdue not taking care of the ball, that's just the recipe for disaster. I mean, Purdue rebounding the ball at a high level, out-rebounding Iowa about 20, that really saved them in this game. And then having Purdue had, for the game, I think Purdue had 18, 20-second-chance points, and that kind of evened out the turnovers. But you won't be able to have 17. I mean, you, you go to Indiana, you have 17 turnovers, you lose. So just got the luck of the bounce in this one. Uh, you're muted. Craig, Sorry. You're you're good. Good. Yeah. yeah, I got you. 
Hey, hey, Rafael. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, you know, we got a lot of people in the chat asking about that that Iowa press, and we always seem to struggle with it a little bit. Uh, you played against that Iowa press at, at some point in your career. What is it about what they do that that always seems to give us trouble, or, or give really any team trouble, but especially it seems Purdue over the years? I mean, I think I think when people think Iowa, they don't necessarily think defense because of the way they play offensively and how fast they play. But I mean, for the season, I think Iowa's for Iowa's forcing the third most turnovers in the Big Ten. You got. You got Rutgers, Northwestern, and then it's Iowa. So, I mean, you think about it like that, Iowa's in the same conversation as two of the best defenses in the country. So that press is its not as easy as people would think. And I, I know I, I was i was there tonight, and I heard people saying, just throw the ball to Zach, throw the ball to Zach. But you don't want to throw a 40-foot, a 40-foot, 50-foot pass to your big man that doesn't really move that well left to right. And it's just – or throw a heat missile to him and – I mean, you saw when they tried to throw it to him, they threw it out of bounds. But, I mean, Chris Murray, rather it's Chris Murray or if it's Aaron White when I played or Jerry Utah, that's a 6'10 power forward that moves like a guard. I mean, Chris Murray, Keegan Murray, Jerry Utah, Aaron White, Iowa keeps a, at that forward position, they always have a long, athletic, lanky guy that can move really well. And then, I mean, Sanford is 6'6. He's on one wing. McCaffrey is six seven. He's on another wing, and it just is. They're long and they're athletic, and they work at it. They practice their press. It's not one of those just throwing together presses that team would do. Teams would do because they're losing. So it's tough that they come and get you, and if you leave the ball, it'd be tough on you. But I mean, it's the same thing. It's the people have to prepare for Iowa's press, just like Iowa has to prepare to guard Zach Eady. That is, um, that is their thing, and it's um, tough for everybody to handle. Uh, we had a question in the chat or a, a point made by Chad Austin. He said, sounds crazy, but maybe they utilize Zach to break the press somehow. I mean, they can't, quote, unquote, trap eight feet up. Now, you see a lot of big men flash to the middle of the court on a press. Is that something that Purdue could utilize? Or yeah, you don't want to. I don't think you want. I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm not a coach, but I, I don't think you want to turn Zach Eady into a decision maker. Because, yeah, you can bring Zach Eady up. He come catch it at the free throw line or a half court, but if everybody if everybody is getting denied, even if Zach Eady doesn't get trapped, say you stay one on one with them and Rebracha guards him straight up. Once Zach Eady puts it on the ground and tries to dribble it, Rebracha is going to take it from him. If that makes sense, so he's got to make a. He, then you turn Zach Eady into a decision maker, and you've seen at Indiana Zach had five turnovers at Nebraska Zach had five turnovers, and I love Zach. Don't get me wrong. But I like Zach as a rebounder, as a scorer, as a guy on the block. I don't know if I want Zach to be my decision maker on the press because that's a lot for a big man that's never done it before, too. You, Zach just – you got to remember, too, Zach just started playing basketball maybe for four years, four, five, years, six years ago or something crazy. So now you ask him to break a press, and he's never done that in his life. Yeah, no. Uh, go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're good. I was just – I was going to move uh, – you know, the big story was the press for the game, obviously. I, I think that's what everybody's going to want to talk about. But I don't want it to overshadow what Braden Smith did today. 24 points, right. four rebounds, five assists, eight to ten shooting. Um, we got, you know, we got aggressive Braden Smith. Like, well, as a freshman, what are you seeing from him? Obviously, he's, you know, he's had a great season. What are you seeing from him that just, like, impresses you the most, or especially today? He just got a way about him. He just, uh, when you hear guys uh, talk about, like, certain people have it, 
Like, he has it. Like, whatever it is. Like, Braden just has, like, that moxie about him, that toughness, that swagger. And then, then like, in a game like today, he just is aggressive. And that's how you have to attack the press. Like, when you ask, how do you attack the press? Your point guard's got to go. And you saw when Braden was just going, they just they, they backed off. They couldn't handle it. I mean, Lou Jack was really good at that, just going, just just break it. But, I mean, Braden got – they wore him out. I mean, he just got wore out, breaking it over and over and over again. So, I mean, he was – you just love his poise and his confidence in himself, his ability to pass has really shocked a lot of people. But I, I love when uh, when Braden is aggressive. When Braden is aggressive, it changes Purdue. It makes um, it, it takes Purdue to a different level offensively. And uh, he can shoot the ball. He can get to the rim. He's a good teammate. He defends at a high level. I'm just all around impressed. And then the, probably the most thing I'm impressed with is his poise as a freshman. I mean, even in a game like today, he has a good stretch where he takes over the game. He gets tired, he comes out, but then he comes back in, he helps finish the game out. So he was uh he's just a big time player, steps up in big time moments. And same with Fletcher. I mean that that shot Fletcher hit, I mean, it was just a big time basket. Fletcher steps up, he's been doing that all year, stepping up in big moments and really coming through. There's just another game where Fletcher has double digit points in the second half. And it's the ability to regroup at halftime and go out and, and really affect winning in a second has really helped Purdue for Fletcher. Go ahead, Aiden. Yeah, what's up, Ray? Aiden Kuntz, uh, you know, looking at Ethan Morton and Caleb first, right? Like, those guys, to me, have been our two best defenders uh, this year. And I'm just wanting to see what what do you see from those guys? You were a great defender yourself. Like, what do you see from Morton and first improvement-wise that, that they've been able to, you know, kind of take a leap and, and be the top two defenders for Purdue this season? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not – well, one, well, one I'm, I know your dad, man. Your dad's cool dude. Your dad ever tell you stories about me? Oh, yeah. yeah he said you were the best student <laughs> he's ever had. I could I, – I doubt it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, but, um, but, no, I, honestly, man, I, I would um, – you know, it may sound crazy, but I would say Zach is, Zach is the best defender on the team. Zach yeah, is um yeah. Zach Zach is the reason why when I won defensive player of the year, my I was at dinner and AJ Hammonds, AJ called me and he was the first person to tell me I won defensive player of the year. AJ called me. AJ said, You won you won my award, and then he hung up on me. So Ethan Ethan and those dudes, they get a lot of credit because of Zach. Just like I used to because of AJ. Because one, if you're a def- if you're a guard. In, in the back of your head, you don't want to drive it and get your shot blocked. So you have a little bit of reluctance in, in your mind a little bit. And then when you know you have a big fella behind you that can move, that can guard, that can block shot as a guard, it gives you more confidence. You know what I mean? It gives you – like, because you play different. Like, I would play defense different when AJ was in the game versus when Isaac Haas was in the game. You just – in the back of your head, you know who's there with you. So – I mean, but also you got to give credit to Ethan and Caleb. They both have gotten in the weight room and really worked on their hips and their movement and their lateral quickness. And then for Ethan, more than anything, man, it's not like it's like for Ethan and myself. I mean, both of us, we're not overly athletic dudes. We're not overly, we're not going to wow you with our, our speed or our jumping ability, but he just got that want to. Ever since the game last December against North Carolina State, out there on the East Coast, 
and you put um, I think they put Ethan on. I think his name was C. Brown or Deeper, something like that. And he locked him up in that second half. And that was when Ethan wasn't playing much. And that was when Ethan kind of really became a a, a a vital role guy off the bench last season. And sometimes you just figure out what's going to keep you on the floor. And I think Ethan really figured out what was going to keep him on the floor. And then he committed to it and then really accepted his role. And once you accept your role and you work at it and you really you really care about it, you're going to be good at it. And that's with Purdue's philosophies and the way Peyton coaches – I mean, once you care about it, you're going to be good at it. And Caleb is super athletic, and Caleb has got that Cody Zeller-like speed. And uh, he, he, Caleb would be a guy that can guard one through four, one through five by the time he leaves Purdue. But having Zach behind him, I mean, it's, it goes without being said. He's, he's probably – Zach – I would say Zach is one of the better defenders in the country. Yeah. And I, I think – fans a lot of times forget how good AJ Hammonds was. Like I, I remember listening to Painter talk about him being the most like skilled player that he'd ever coached still in an interview oh, yeah. a year or two ago or something like just. Oh yeah. Insane. That was with me. Yeah. That was with me. Yeah. Paint was, um, AJ, AJ was a guy. I mean, AJ probably was the most talented dude I ever played with. I mean, everything he did on a basketball floor was natural talent. Like you, I love AJ. That's my guy. But you weren't going to see AJ in the gym by himself working on his hook shot. Like, you're not going <laughs> to see AJ before. AJ's not staying. AJ's not coming before practice. AJ's not staying after practice. He's not coming back into the – if AJ comes back into the gym, he's going to be he's gonna be chilling with it. You know what I mean? He's going to be doing something he wants to do. But he just had that God-given ability to score the ball. He blocked shots with his left hand. AJ, I mean, I don't – people only got to see – 20% of AJ's talent. That dude, especially once he lost a little bit of weight after he left Purdue and he started shooting, AJ could be a AJ could have been a 35% three-point shooter at, at Purdue. If he would have got in better shape a little bit, he could have really probably been the best Purdue player ever, honestly, in my opinion. Yeah. Hey, I got to put you on the spot here for a bigger, like, uh, Big Ten question. My son's been blowing me up all night. He's a Wisconsin fan, lives in Wisconsin, about Connor Asijan. If you had to pick your five for Big Ten freshman team at the end right now, who would be your five guys on that Big Ten, all Big Ten freshman team? Yeah, you're, he's going to be mad at me, but, I mean, I, <laughs> I love Connor Asijan. The four way dude, four way dude. I mean, you. I mean, you, I, I watched him grow up. I uh, got to see him work out a lot at the um, at the Powell Center in Fort Wayne with his AAU program. He never um, loyal dude. Connor is Connor never left his AAU program. He played for a smaller AAU program out of Fort Wayne. He didn't go join the shoe program. He didn't leave his guys until his guys got connected with Indiana Elite. And then Connor went to go play with Indiana Elite. And even still then, he still played with both. He played with his guys. So Connor's a loyal dude. He's a tough-nosed dude. But I would go um, to Purdue, the two Purdue freshmen. You got to put those two on there. Um, you got to go Bryce Sensabaugh. I know Ohio State is struggling, but Bryce Sensabaugh is probably the most skilled freshman. And what he's done offensively, it, it, um, He's the one, though. It's up in the air a little bit. I would say it's up in the air for since the ball. It didn't, he's not playing that well tonight. So if he doesn't finish the season out strong, I could see a season jumping in where he is a little bit. You know what I mean? I could see that kind of being a spot a season could fit in. I know a season had 18 last night and beat Penn State. So I think that's the one that he could grab. But then the other two spots, 
Jet Howard. Jet Howard has been phenomenal. He dealt with a little injury, but he'll get on there. He'll be a top 10 draft pick, lottery pick. And then um, I would go Hushafino. Hushafino in Big Ten play has been better, and he's won them games. I mean, he beat he helped beat Purdue down the stretch. Hushafino was big time. 12 of his 16 came in the second half. And then now you got Indiana, and they're winning. If Indiana continues to win and they get through this stretch, Indiana gets top top four, top three in the Big Ten to the victors go to spoilers. And uh, you you couldn't leave uh, Hushafino off of that team if Indiana finishes that high. And the reason being about a season and tense the ball, both of those teams right now at the bottom of the Big Ten, and I think kind of it'll come down to individually who finishes out better or if a season, if it's the same – Player to player, I think it goes by team success, and I think it's easy to bump. Former Big Ten. Oh, you're good. Former Purdue men's basketball guard Rafael Davis joins the show here. He's currently a Big Ten Network analyst, doing a great job over the last few years. For those of you that are just tuning in on the audio side, uh, obviously a man that needs no introduction, but just wanted to make sure we had that properly for for the people that aren't watching with the video. And, um, Rafe, you know, when you talk about the Big Ten this year, <laughs> it's a slugfest, as it always is, a rock fight. Uh, but it's not very top-heavy. You know, you got Purdue and everybody else. You know, when you look at the landscape of the Big Ten, you know, it, uh, I think preseason a lot thought it was going to be a down year. Now everybody's kind of beating each other down into these pretty tough conference records. I think overall, I, I think my question would be kind of more big picture towards March. You know, we haven't uh, haven't had Big Ten hasn't had the kind of success the conference wants in March Madness. Do you think that there is an element of the way the style of the game is played in the Big Ten that has an effect on the Big Ten when they get into March Madness, or do you think that it's just kind of happenstance and and it's a one game tournament, you know, one and done kind of tournament, and that's just how how it falls. Nah, it just is what it is. Cause I mean, you've, you've, if, I mean, the Big Ten has been a Big Ten the last, I mean, since Walter Jordan played at Purdue. It's, I mean, it's been tough. It's been a grinded out league. It's been physical. It's been hard nosed. Every game is always going to be a battle. So I mean, in the tournament, it's all about matchups and, and players, matchups and pros. That's what I like to say about the tournament. That's what March is: matchups, pros, and guards. If you have, if you have tough guards, if you have high-level guards, athletic wings, it helps you in March. But I don't, I would say, I would say this year is a good year in the Big Ten, definitely, because the teams are good from top to bottom. So you figure it out during the year. Like a team like Indiana, you lose five, and you really realize how hard it is to win. You realize how going and playing against Northwestern is not an easy win. It's Every win is valuable, and the Big Ten teaches you that. So it teaches you you have to play hard every time. That's what this year – this year is teaching the guys, every team. You have to play hard every single game. There's no nights off. So I, I will hope that this year the Big Ten has better better success in the tournament. I think um, this year reminds me a lot of that 2014-2015 season where you had in, Wisconsin was the clear favorite in the Big Ten, kind of like a Purdue is right now with Frank Kaminsky, Zach Eady type of type of player of the year status. And then you had a Maryland team who was kind of it was was second best team, and that's kind of reminds me of what an Indiana Rutgers is right now. And then everybody else from I think three through seven 
I think everybody had a 12 and six record, something like that. And then you had Michigan State who finished in the Big Ten 12 and six. They ended up in the Final Four. And I think this is the type of year where you have teams like Purdue could get there, Indiana could get there. They've had some lumps, but they figured some things out. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Illinois made a run. I mean, Iowa, is, I mean, that's the best offense in the country. So, I mean, Purdue just put a lid on them in that first half. So, it'll be interesting to see. But I think this year you got a lot – you got more pros in the Big Ten. I think it comes down to – comes down to pros sometimes. That was Constantine. And when I played, that was Constantine that made it to a Final Four. That four NBA players on that team. That Michigan State team that made it that same year, I mean, they had four NBA players on that team. And I mean legit NBA guys. So sometimes that's what it boils down to. Uh, Craig, if you want to ask uh, what Jeremy's question is, Jack, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so Jeremy Hunter in the chat was was just asking about Zach's moment in the postgame conference. I know you had – there was a little back and forth between you and a radio guy that will not be named. Um, but what were your thoughts on, on Zach kind of stealing the mic and sticking up for Braden a little bit there and putting the onus on the whole team and not, not just Braden? Man. <laughs> no, nah, man, no. I mean, I've heard Paint say that a, a million times. I mean, that's just something a coach would say. Zach is just taking on the mindset of his coach in that moment. And that's something coach would say. It doesn't come down to one play. One play didn't beat us. That If it's a buzzer beater, it wasn't that shot. I mean, there's multiple plays in the game. And in that game, Zach had five turnovers, I believe. So he just took up for his. I mean, you never – you're not going to let your guy go out sad. And that's the same thing – I Maybe a guy who doesn't grab a mic or doesn't take the mic, but I mean, it, it only looked as if he took the mic because he's so big and Braden is so small. But that's exactly what you say for your teammate, especially as a leader, as a captain of a team. You stick up for your freshman on the road and against your rival. And I mean, maybe some some guys have never been in that position to stick up for a guy or been there for a teammate, but that's what you do. It's one band, one sound, and. When you in that, when you when you at Indiana, and you're in that little media room. I'm never gonna let someone paint a picture or paint a narrative that it was John Nakis's fault. The what the reason we lost on the last possession. That's just not what you do. So I love um, how Zach handled that. I love how Braden handled it. Braden answered the question himself, but then I love how Zach really stepped in and kind of said that because that is um that's good to know. That's good basketball information. That's good information for a kid who may have heard that interview, maybe is a, and I'm drastic sometimes, but maybe there's a 13-year-old kid that hears that. And maybe that 13-year-old kid missed a free throw at the end of the day is having the worst week of his life. And he hears Zach Eady and it gives him some reassurance. So that's just, you can never, you can never doubt a player where he's sharing good basketball information. It's just the more basketball game you can give back into the basketball community, you got to give it back. So I'm not sure what, um, what my guy was talking about, but, that was uh, that was silly to me. <laughs> so yeah, I was gonna I'm, not, I'm to... not sure. I'm not. Um, I've been on the court, man. I've um, I've been out there. I'm not some I, guys. Got, trash talk and things like that. That's not how that works. Guys are out, like guys are talking about your mother. Like they talk about your mother out there. They're not talking about your like if a dude is listening to your press game conference and listen to that. Like if you listening to my press game conference and you gonna quote what my teammate said. I mean, come on, you corny. And that's, uh, we would have made fun of you. We, we used to make fun of guys that didn't know how to talk trash. And um, they were trying to, do, trying to dig too deep. But then also, in the same vein, 
in the same game, you had Indiana. You had um in that first half. I don't know if you guys remember. I forget who it was, but they got into a little scruffle with um uh, with, with Mason Gillis, and then TJD came up and just chest bumped them. So that's like that's like the Purdue guys making fun of the TJD for coming to help his guy. You know what I mean? One guy is taking the mic, and one guy is literally trying to fight a guy for his teammate. So it's, you can accept it on the floor, but you can't accept it off the floor. That just doesn't make sense to me. Well, you know, uh, uh, the man who will not be named has got to stir it up on Twitter. You know, um, he's, he's, he's notorious for that, so we'll let him have his fun. But, uh, you know, you talk about giving back to the community and, and with all the stuff you've done, you know, in the Purdue community and, and media world, you're also giving back yourself. Why don't you tell some of the listeners some of the things that you do, you know, uh, throughout the year and in the off season to help give back in your way? Uh, nah, man. So, me, it's simple. Um, I saw basketball in my neighborhood going – I'll be straight. Basketball, youth basketball has turned into a middle-class sport. Whether it's AAU, training fees, even gym space for youth teams to practice. Gyms are – a gym told me yesterday it would be $75 an hour for my youth team to practice, and I had to go a two-hour minimum. So if you're a team and you're an inner city basketball team and you want to practice two times a week, you're coming out $600 just on practice a week, which is just, um, it's just outrageous. And in my neighborhood, they closed both YMCAs. They took out the, uh, the fellowship league, the upper bound league, um, all of the church gyms we used to play at, they shut them down. And the next, you know, the crime rate is raising and, the, not my high school team, the girls team, they only have a varsity team where they took everybody that tried out. They didn't have enough girls to form a freshman team or have enough girls to form a JV team. It just, and that starts at a youth age. If you don't get the girls interested at a young age, they're not going to hit 14 and decide to play basketball. And also my high school team, we haven't had a division one basketball player, even D2 guy, D3 guy since I played. So, I mean, it's just, um, and it was at a time where we were having guys each year. So um, my thing was just how could we, um, how could I fix that? And I reached out to some of the programs in the town and the bigger program, they just told, they just told me flat out the kids on that side of town, they're not good enough anymore. And for me, it was, um, I didn't like how that sound, honestly. I just didn't like that. I didn't like, um, I didn't like that. I didn't like um, for myself to have be, be 6'3 with a mustache in the eighth grade and the opportunities I was able to get. So just because I was tall and bigger than guys and what have you, and some of the athletes that were better than me athletically that grew later in life. I talked to one of my guys, he's doing a hundred years in prison and I'm not saying he shouldn't, but I'm saying if he would have had someone like I had growing up, maybe he wouldn't be in a situation he's in. So for me, it was how could we encompass everything in one? How could we, show kids how to take a path like Drew Anthrop and end up as a video coordinator for the Lakers and win the NBA championship. So my wife and I, we started a nonprofit foundation and uh, we, in the inner cities, rather if it's Fort Wayne, West Lafayette, rather if it's Indianapolis and Fort Wayne, we do a lot, obviously, because that's my home neighborhood. We do 15 camps, uh, summer leagues, a year, leagues, summer league, fall league, spring leagues, a year where we raised enough, this year we raised enough money for 800 boys and girls to be able to play for free, come to camps and play on AAU teams. We had a tribal football team. We did a baseball camp. We uh, sponsored three 
you we sponsored three school cheerleading teams, which is crazy to me when you think about a school system not being able to get their elementary schools pom poms and uniforms. So being able to be a resource to, to people and things of that sort, but then also every Monday we do a free skill session up in Fort Wayne with Lisa Clement. She played at Purdue. She was a starter at Purdue, a captain at Purdue. We go and do that every Monday is free. So if you want to get better, you can come and you can learn from two people that both played at Purdue, played high level. I mean, it's just a, we do a lot, man. We do a lot with single mothers. We um, donate every other week. We, we find single mothers and we split up $500 to kind of divvy it up to kind of social support because for those kids, we, we have things, like I said, we have training for those kids that are going to be really good at basketball that love it. You can, I have a boy right now who's in eighth grade. His name is Trail. I think Trail can end up going to any college he wants to if he sticks with it. So we have players like that. But then we also have kids that they're not going to make their middle school team. They just won't. Like, they're just not athletic. They just – it's just not going to happen for them. They're 5'5", five, five and they're not going to grow. And it sounds harsh, but some guys, they just don't have it and athletically, and it's going to catch up to you. So we teach those kids – how they can stay in basketball once because once you love it you love it and we it's all about staying in love with it and we once you don't make a team you can't just fall out of love with it i was talking to mike decorsi from fox sports and big 10 network and mike said mike told me he knew he wanted to be a sports writer in fourth grade because he had a mentor that told him he could do it and now mike decorsi is the biggest basketball writer in college basketball so we have those kids where we show them you stay out of trouble, you stay basketball, you love basketball. You could be a video coordinator for the Lakers. You could be a basketball analyst because now they see me. And then once you see something, you, you think you can do it, but when you can touch it, you know you can do it. So now they know they can do different things within basketball. And it's just, uh, I know I'm belaboring the point, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, we're from, even in Atlanta, we have one of our kids, Malachi, he's in Atlanta and, um, uh, it's just a lot of fun to kind of be a bridge to, to people. And all of these guys, we took them up to Purdue this year and they got to see the team. And now they want to come in to Purdue every game. So it's been a lot of fun we've been able to do. Uh, definitely not. Uh, I mean, we definitely not long. We That's the important stuff here. And we appreciate you, uh, you know, giving back in that way. Um, you know, we can talk Purdue breakdown post game all we want, but this is the stuff that um is truly important and that's not blowing smoke that's for real so uh you always have a platform here to uh promote that and we'll do our best on our end to promote the work you're doing out there and i saw one time somebody needed a new basketball hoop and, and you put you know funds oh, together yeah. from people and, and bought a basketball hoop for that person and, and to me that shows a lot of your character you didn't have to do that you know so yeah um, like like stuff like that man like stuff like that like you got you got boys going out there to play on a broken basketball hoop like those boys could have been in the street those boys could have been doing anything they could have been pushing old people down for it for all you know you know what i mean so and then we got that room and what, what i really what really impressed me was we got the room and we sent it over and we all the people galvanized and it was like a team team project we made it happen and then once we delivered the room i was going to send some guys from dicks they were coming over to set the room up at five o'clock it took not even an hour for those boys to get up and set that room up themselves. <laughs> so, they, like, and they sent the picture and they said, Thank, thank you. It's called, it's called of utilitarianism, man. 
if people are listening, you got to look into utilitarianism. And that's really what I, um, it's really the way I decided to live my life. And I think if you're in a position that you could give more, as you give back, you, you should do it. Because everybody is the same. Everybody's the same. You just got different job titles. And uh, the more and more people could think it like that, I think it can help the, help the world move faster. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Rafe, uh, really appreciate you hopping on here tonight and um, giving some of your thoughts and, and, and sharing some of your wisdom here on the back end as far as how to give back. I know everybody in the chat is putting out some love to you, and, and we appreciate you joining us uh, Take it on your day off. I know you and you know, all the guys over the Big Ten Network are working hard, uh, you know, uh, boxing matches every night, rock fights to cover every night, and we appreciate you guys do great coverage over there. Uh, should be a fun rest of the season. Uh, three three uh, quick hitter questions. Who's the National Player of the Year? Oh, man, come on, man. You got to ask me a tougher one than that. I'm going to let you get a redo. And who's the, who's the National Coach of the Year? I love how I love how Indiana fans and, uh, and TJD is into the conversation. And you look at TJD, this great run that he's he's on. He's on a great run. He is. He's on a fantastic run. But his numbers over these last, I think it was eight games. Uh, I think we might have lost him. <clears throat> I think he's driving home. You still there, Rafe? I'm going to you lose, you lost first inning of your scoring. You lost four starters. You lost two NBA guys. You lost two point guards to the transfer portal. I mean, you bring in every single guy has a different role on the team. Zach is playing 30 minutes. Braden was the, Braden was the what? Um, 30, Braden Smith was the 33rd ranked point guard in the country. And now he's probably top 30 point guard in the country in college basketball, top 20. So, I mean, it's, um, it's been phenomenal to get guys like Mason Gillis to buy in into a role off the bench. I mean, it's, it's um, what Payne has done has been, um, it's been impressive to see. And um, he's, he's been robbed a couple of times in coach of the year. And I think this year you got to give it to him. Absolutely. Got potentially the national player of the year. About, my bad. No, you're good. My uh, bad. Like I, I said, you again. I saw no, you're good. I was just saying uh, potentially. Opponent. No, you're absolutely fine. Uh, like I said, potentially national player of the year. Uh, National Coach of the Year, and, and we're hoping when this season's over, they're the team of the year. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see. Oh, but yeah. uh, Rafael Davis, thank you again for joining the show here tonight and uh, giving us, you know, everything you got here on your day off. Well, no, I appreciate you guys. Anytime. All right. That is Rafael right. Davis. Drive safe. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Rafael. Yep. Thanks, thank Ray. All right. That is Rafael Davis. Killing it here on the post game show, uh, doing it up for us, and we appreciate all his time um, and giving us, you know, his thoughts here on this big win. That's right, Dead Hoosier. Everyone, hit that like button. Um, if you're watching from the YouTube channel, uh, really helps us out. If you like and subscribe, I think we got up to about 88, 90 people here in the live chat here late on a Thursday night watching what we're doing here for these post game shows. And uh, if you like that interview. With Rafael Davis, please hit that like button and subscribe to our channel. It'll just only help the algorithm get sent through to people that haven't found us yet because we're going to have a lot of fun as this season ends. And before we move on to our next segment um, and and talk a little more about the, the team stats and some of the individual guys, 
Um, I just want to give another shout out to our guys over at Shire Insurance. And uh, so I just want to make sure I get everything, all my ducks in a row here. Um, and we've got a few new sponsors here, and we really appreciate everybody kind of jumping on board with us here this season. So as life changes, your insurance needs change. Shire Insurance Services and Crown Point, representing auto auto owners insurance, has been helping clients with their changing insurance needs for over 25 years. As an independent agency, we love working with auto owners to provide excellent service to our clients. Buying your first home, start with Shire. Expanding your business, start with Shire. Your teenage driver passed a driving test and you're worried about the increased cost in auto insurance, start with Shire. The first baby is on the way and you want to reassess your life insurance, start with Shire. Whatever your insurance concern or need, we are ready to help make those things easier for you. Call 663-7274 or search online to start with Shire. Visit www.shireinsurance.com for all your insurance needs. Uh, so we appreciate everybody, you know, getting through all that. So we're going to move on here to our team stats of the day. Uh, something we do to kind of get a, a general idea of how these games unfolded. So um, field goal percentage, 45% on 31 of 69 shooting for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Purdue red hot once again. 55% shooting, 33 of 60 from the field. Three-point percentage, Iowa Hawkeyes shoot 28% on five of 18 shooting beyond the arc. The Purdue Boilermakers go 10 of 27 from three, uh, shooting 37% from three-point range. Free throws, 86% from the free throw line, only seven free throw attempts, six of seven made for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Not much else for Purdue. 11 of 12 from the line at 92%. Only eight turnovers for Iowa and a shocking 17 turnovers for the Purdue Boilermakers. Not too very shocking if you watch the game, but just shocking as far as the way this team has played all season. A lot of turnovers. They had 16 against IU and now 17 against Purdue. Or I mean against Iowa, I should say. Um, points off of those turnovers, 14 for Iowa. Only five points off turnovers for Purdue. Total rebounds, once again, Purdue dominates on the glass with 43 rebounds and 30 on the defensive glass, 13 on the offensive glass. And total rebounds for Iowa, 23 total rebounds, 15 on the defensive glass, only eight on the offensive glass. Second chance points, 18 for Purdue with 12 second chance points for the Iowa Hawkeyes. 17 bench points for Iowa, 16 for Purdue, pretty much a wash there. Points in the paint. This is a shocker here. Iowa gets more points in the paint with 42 points in the paint to produce 38. Not something you see Purdue losing that category often this year. Uh, fast break points, 12 for Iowa, 6 for Purdue. Blocks, 3 for Iowa, 6 for Purdue. Steals, 11 steals for the Iowa Hawkeyes using that press against Purdue. 3 steals for Purdue. Assists, 22 for Iowa, 21 for Purdue. Uh, and then uh, only one lead change, and Purdue led for near for 38 minutes of this game, while the Iowa Hawkeyes only led for one minute and 18 seconds. Uh, Joe, when I ring off those stats of the game, what stands out to you there? Um, I mean, obviously there's the turnovers. Uh, I, I don't really want to 
belabor that for at the moment. Um, you know, Smith's stat line, 24, 4, and 5 is good. Probably, but honestly, it's probably Edie's just pure stat line. 14 points seven sh- on only seven shots, uh, 6 of 6 from the line, 14 rebounds, 4 assists, and 5 blocks. He only had 4 assists. It should have been 7 or 8. Um, and also, like, he, he, there's just a couple games where uh, – or a couple plays where he, he doesn't get the assist, but he definitely should deserve it just by his gravity. Um, you know, and then Purdue shoots the ball well, 10 to 27 for 3, 11 for 12 from the free throw line. So not a ton of attempts, but still knocked him down. Um, and that you know that helps keep it at bay, and then probably first double double, eleven points, ten rebounds. Like he was, he was great today. How about you, Aiden? Uh, what stands out to you for those team stats of the day? Yeah, I think for me, and I talked about it a little bit earlier. It's the it's the plus minus, uh, which I I don't usually like to use as as kind of a, a stat of the day. I guess after, right after a game, but it's pretty striking when you look at all the bench guys being plus fifteen or more in a 14 point win and all of the, or sorry, all the starters being plus 15 or more. And then all you see all the bench guys there on that graphic from a, a JG trends on Twitter, all being a negative. Uh, I think those four guys specifically just didn't fit in this game. Um, I was length really bothered Gillis uh, and Kaufman Wren. They, they were getting whatever they wanted at the rim when those two guys were in Jenkins struggled with the, the press. Newman just didn't find his, his rhythm. He got in there for four minutes in the first half put up an air ball immediately and then turned it over in the press. And after that, Greg, you had said he had had a bit of a conversation with painter, maybe a little more than a conversation with Matt painter uh, when he went to the bench. So just to me, like, man, they were not functional in this game. It was literally, you know, not any of those guys being out there tanked, you know, the team's overall performance in this game. And it was a bit of a bad matchup for them, but again, like you're going to see a lot of length in the tournament. So it's a bit concerning, I think, honestly, for me, that they have laid this blueprint of, hey, we're a team with a lot of length. We can press you, slow you down, get you out of your rhythm, and then you'll turn the ball over in live ball situations just enough to keep us close. You know, obviously, you look at, like, Purdue's offensive rebound rate, that if half of those turnovers are shots, you know, Purdue's likely to get about 40% of those offensive rebounds. So, you know, you'd much rather get a shot up than, than turn it over, especially a live ball turnover where Iowa can go the other way and you have such little rim protection when Edie's not in there or when Edie's on the other side of the floor because you just turned it over coming this way. And I think that was was kind of what bit Purdue tonight in that second half. Yeah, um, you know, uh, Chad Austin said in the chat, is everyone taking notes? We will be quizzing everyone here at the end of the show that's in the chat. So make sure you have your pencils up and ready to write Craig. Um, you know, I know you walked, stepped away for a second while we were ringing off the team stats. You can pretty much go into anything that stood out to you, but I was curious if you, you know, the one thing that surprised me as we were reading it off was, uh, points in the paint, uh, said that, uh, Purdue was outscored in points in the paint, uh, 42 for Iowa, 38 for Purdue. Does that surprise you? Cause it certainly surprised me. I mean, it doesn't surprise me when you factor in the turnovers because so many of those turnovers, whereas in some of the other games where our turnovers were high, a lot of those weren't live ball turnovers. Tonight, uh, the vast majority of the turnovers were live ball turnovers and and they were just, you know, had op- wide open layups. Um, Painter was calling for him to foul a few times and players didn't see it or hear it, didn't respond to it. We had plenty of fouls to give and could have done it. Um <clears throat> maybe kind of drop the ball a little bit on that. 
Um, I still had my headphones on, Greg. I was listening, so I know what you covered. Um, I, I come back to the two things I always come back to with this team. If we're significantly plus in rebounding and plus in free throws, regardless of what else happens in the game, this team seems to win. We were plus 20 in rebounds. I think we were plus five or six in free throws. Not as big as a margin as we've normally seen. Um, but we didn't like, you know, Zach didn't get a lot of shot attempts and that's tends to be when we're really heavy plus on the free throw line. So that's not surprising, but wide rebound margin, decent size free throw margin. We win the game. I think those two things are almost always ring true. See, I didn't know that you, you got the wireless headphones. Yeah. I, I got the old school with the wires. So I I'm stuck here. You know, if I, oh, I'm high, I'm high tech, baby. I'm high tech. Get them wireless headphones. And you know what? They're not the, you know, like, at, like Joe's got the ones that everyone always, I can't get the ones Joe's got the AirPods. Cause I will yeah. lose those in a minute. And then New York. Can, can we, can, can, can we give you shit for a second about being so scared to mispronounce Ray Fell's name? <laughs> I know I got it. On, I got it down. No, the worst part we, was, we, we worked on this before the show and you still just said Rafe, Rafe the whole I still time. Rafe. I still we did. Rafe. We promised. We worked on and then, it. We practiced. Then my mom's texting me during the interview and she's like, Greg, his name is spelled wrong. And I'm looking at the <laughs> handle on the, where the ad is. And it was spelled right, but the first Rafael was I, I fixed it now. Now it's spelled correctly, but I had the A before the E for most of that interview. So I apologize. You know, no one ever accused me of not being a moron. So there's my oh, we- my my snafu of the day. I screwed up. Not only am I you know, last year's interview, yes, I was terrified to pronounce his name. Now this year I'm spelling his name wrong. So one day I'll actually do right by Rafael Davis, but I guess <laughs> third time's a charm. But he was great, and I know a lot of people in the chat really appreciated his insight. So, uh, you know, you know, some of the team stats are, you know are good, but you know we're going to try to maybe shorten up some of these segments here as we as we move along since we had a little bit of an interview there with Rafe. L Davis. <laughs> uh, but I do want to I do want to talk about our guys over at ISC Purdue because they were doing a lot of good work during the show and, and they provide us with some of these great pictures once we go over some of these individual players. Um, you know, if you're not following Indiana sports coverage, specifically if you're a Purdue fan at ISC underscore Purdue on Twitter, these are some of the images from the game here today that we'll be sharing throughout this segment while we're talking about some, some of the individual performances by this team and they just do a great job and, and we're kind of co-oping with them and they're going to, you know, give us some good, um, you know, content here for the show. So you give, give you guys some good visuals and we're going to continue to shout them out. So uh, now we're moving on to some of the individual plays, man. These are some great shots. I, I take good shots with my phone, but nothing as good as this kind of stuff. Uh, These are good. Yeah, really good. So shout out to ISC Purdue. Thank you again for the pictures. But, yeah, let's move on to the uh, the individual performances. You know, we don't have to go through every player tonight. Uh, got Super Bowl Sunday. You know, that'll be fun. I'm going to stay home for that. I think we're all going to be home for that one. So we'll be going live immediately during that game and maybe can do like a more um, – you know, intense breakdown of each player. Cause I know we like to talk about really every guy. I mean, you know, uh, Fran McCaffrey even said it after the game, like every player on this team is good. And we really could go over every single performance tonight because they're worth the time. Uh, but you know, we'll just kind of stick to, 
some of the ones that stand out. And obviously I think we have to start with Braden Smith. We've talked about him a few times and, and Rafael Davis did as well, but 24 points on eight of 10 shooting four of five from three, four of four from the free throw line, four rebounds, five assists, four turnovers in 34 minutes of play. Uh, just a sensational effort from Braden Smith. Uh, I asked him after the game, just trying to see his, you know, see if he'd give any nugget on, you know, his having to tell himself to shoot more, you know, because I think in the IU game, it felt like he pulled back a few times when guys were going under the screen. And, you know, I think he kind of pushed back a little bit. It was like, not necessarily, you know, I, yeah, I want to get, get guys the ball, but you know, I'm just reading the defense and I'm going to take the shot out, you know, you know, when I feel good, good about it. Uh, but then Matt Painter came to the podium and I, and I do think, you know, I think Braden was just being modest, but I think, um, you know, when Matt Painter was asked kind of a similar question, he said, no, I, I tell Braden he needs to shoot, you know, especially when they go under those screens and they're fighting through screens and he's got the shot, he needs to take it. So, you know, I do think there was a conversation that was had after the IU game. Cause I think there was a few times him and Fletcher lawyer for that matter, passed up some shots they could have taken. But I do think while Fletcher has proven time and again here this season in the clutch moments that he's willing to take that shot, Braden at times, even though we all know he's fully capable of a night like this, any night, really, uh, I think he needs to continue to to shoot those just to kind of build that confidence up to take him in the clutch moments. And uh, today you could see right out the gate an emphasis on putting it up from beyond the arc when the guys were going under the screen. Uh, just a, and, a, and then just his – patience you know the way he you know he'd break down the press and and come around a screen and go to the rim and the way he you know he plays off of Zach Eady so well and he shows this patience he doesn't rush to the hoop and watches the way the defenders he's manipulating the defenders around Eady and they're so you know paranoid that he's gonna throw the oop or you know a little backdoor pass or whatever and now, you know, he's got a wide open layup like three or four times. And it wasn't like this was on a fast break. This was in half court. But it's just the way he plays off of Zach Eady and his the rest of his teammates that he's able to find those kind of easy buckets. Uh, you know, Aiden, you, you've been very close to, to Braden Smith. So you've seen a lot of his games since high school. You know, what did you think of his performance tonight or some of the points that I just made? Yeah, I mean, very close is probably an, an overstatement, but I have seen him play a ton. And um, But tonight was him being aggressive, like you said, him punishing teams for jamming and going under, you know, um, and just kind of kind of saying F it in the break or in, in the press, you know, and just taking it all the way. Um, Iowa didn't have, you know, they have a, a ton more length than him, but they're putting forwards and guys out there who aren't nearly as quick. And we saw that at times where he was able to turn the corner on double teams and just get downhill. Uh, he, he is, I would say nine times out of 10, he's the quickest guy on the floor in a given game that Purdue plays, uh, despite obviously his, his size, which, which can get him some trouble. You know, we saw it during that crazy seven minute stretch. Um, it seemed like Iowa just lost him a little bit. And then once he saw a couple threes go in and they keep losing him, and that they're all wide open threes. They go under on one of the first screens of the game. He pulls the trigger. Now he's seen one go in. Now he's getting in a rhythm. You know, Braden's very much a player who, who plays off his own rhythm. You know, if he's struggling, if he's not, you know, seeing things, um, he's going to get frustrated. He might kind of check out mentally a little bit. Um, I think we've seen that at times this season. What happened tonight was banging two threes early, 
on on Iowa going under screens, and then the two highlight level assists, which he said in the past that he he feeds off more than he does scoring. Uh, when you look at the first one where he contorts his body in the air, kicks it out to Lawyer for three, and then on one of the following possessions, throws that no look dime to first, who gets an and one. Uh, I think Braden just early on in this game got in a rhythm. And it just continued throughout throughout the game. And we saw how valuable he was. He really felt really, really da- dicey when he was taken off the floor and David was trying to run the, you know, run the, the thing there. I don't know if you saw anything else, Joe, or if we could move to somebody else, but that's kind of what I saw. Yeah, no, he was, he was, we got confidence, Brain Smith. And when you get confident, Brain Smith, good things are going to happen. Um, you know, just confident shooting, setting up guys. When he had, he got Christian McCaffrey on him a, a decent bit, and, or not Christian. That would be interesting. He had Connor McCaffrey on him <laughs> uh, a decent bit on the perimeter. And every time he had him, he just just absolutely cooked him. Um, and, and McCaffrey, I mean, yeah. the three air balls and he was frustrated. And there was a where from my angle, you know, there was a couple times Smith blows right by him. And then in that corner kind of right in front of the student section. And McCaffrey's just so pissed. He's just so upset with with everything that's going on. Um, just couldn't keep Smith in front. And, you know, even the I'm kind of going back through my notes and, you know, it's. I'm at the game in the student section, so the notes aren't the absolute greatest. You know, that, that first seven minutes, Smith, from what I saw, like kind of have down, like Smith destroyed the press. Like Smith turned the press into easy offense. Um, and I think the switch was he got a little more like, like um, almost too nonchalant. I think the last 10 minutes is where you kind of saw some of the issues. Like, but that stretch where he took over, like, he had two or three times. He just absolutely, you know, turned the press into an easy bucket. You know, straight to the rim. Um, you know, getting getting somebody on the perimeter. Like he's just he he has the skills. Um, and, and I think it's just he's got to figure out the right level of mixing and shooting, setting up guys, and and you know just keeping the confidence within him um, at all times. Because when he's confident, he's one of the best you know point guards in the in the conference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um... Craig, you got any thoughts here on Braden before we move on to some of the other guys? Um, I don't have any thoughts on Braden. Um, I, I do want to. I want to talk about Caleb first a little bit because I think he gets lost tonight. Um, the dude was a hundred percent from the floor. He had a double double. Um, they were so worried about boxing out Zach Eady and trying to rebound over him. Caleb came in and, and got a lot of rebounds. Um, a lot of his shots were at the rim or off rebounds, but you know, the dude was perfect from the floor and, and ended up with a double, double, just an incredible game for him. And I, so much of his are, you know, they're just random points or, or slot points. You might say at times cleanup points. Uh, but sometimes I think his value gets overlooked and, and like, um, Aiden or Joe said earlier, um, his improvement on the defensive end has also been invaluable. I also do want to say, just before we move on quick, um, you know, Patrick McCaffrey, McCaffrey stepped away from the game not too long ago. Um, it was really nice just as a basketball fan. He's been through a whole bunch of health problems in his life. If you don't know his story, you should read up on it. I personally, even, even though it was probably detrimental for our team at times because he gives even more added length out there. It was really good to see him back out on the basketball floor tonight. Oh, for sure. No, it's, yeah. You always, always are happy to see guys be able to return from stuff like that. Um, you know, just hopefully he keeps getting better. 
Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was somebody with a red shirt out on on the Mac Arena <laughs> floor shooting hoops. I thought, yeah, you guys better tell him to beat it. Uh, <laughs> so we're always shaking people down here at Mac Arena. So uh, some of the other, you know, like you know, like uh, someone in the chat just mentioned, you know, five guys in double figures figures yeah. for Purdue. 10 for Gillis, yeah. 17 for Lawyer, 24 for Braden Smith, 14 for Zach Eady, 11 for Caleb First. Um, you know, that's pretty impressive. But, you know, Zach Eady, you know, quiet night. Talk about, you know, first having a quiet night, uh, but being effective. Zach Eady gets to 14 points with some, some crucial buckets at the end. You know, when they got it down to six, back-to-back huge buckets for Zach Eady to extend the lead back to 10. Uh, then he then he forces a jump ball by by being the first to the floor, you know, and 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 diving out and, and laying out completely four seven from the field, fourteen rebounds, four assists, uh, only two fouls on the game and only two turnovers of the game in thirty three minutes of play. Uh, yeah, for, yeah. I'll go ahead, Aiden. Yeah, no, I just there's been a lot in the chat about Edie um, wanting him to be more aggressive, maybe saying he was too unselfish tonight. Uh, I, I get that some of that, um, but I also think it's hard. You know, I think like everyone, I think he could probably get to his drop step a little bit, you know, a little bit more, get to that left hand that we've seen him do. He really picks his spots with that. And he almost never misses when he's shooting with that left hand on the drop step because it's such an easy shot. They sit on that uh, on that left shoulder so much. So, you know, I think I, I thought he played a nice game. I thought he made a lot of good decisions for assists. Like you said, Greg, like, that's a really good number for him. He hasn't hit that that mark a lot this season. Uh, and the other thing about the press, and I've seen some guys say, just throw it up to Edie, you know, and or just try and blow by, try and get downhill to the rim and and make them, you know, make them pick between you and Edie driving to the rim. And, and to some extent, I get that. But here's the thing, guys, is I think Painter doesn't want to play a, a track meet. Painter has no intention of making any kind of game what it was for the first seven minutes of the second half. He hates that. You could see it on the sideline. He didn't know whether he was trying to call timeout. They didn't hear him. Then he just decided to not do it. And he he really doesn't want that to happen, which is why Purdue's 326 in the country in in tempo. You know, they want to play slow. They, you would see when Braden gets across, hold the ball, look over at coach Johnson, get the play off the board. And, and they do that for a reason because they're, they're really bad in transition defense, Purdue is. Yeah. And they don't want to just score. And now Iowa's taking it out of the net and sprinting down the floor. We saw that in the second half. They did that a whole lot. Connor McCaffrey would just go. He would just get the ball and go off Purdue makes. And so, you know, yeah, we could probably do that a little more. But at that point, you're tiring Braden Smith out, who's your only real point guard. You know, you're, you're leaving yourself a little bit vulnerable in transition. You know, let's say Edie gets a dunk. Now everyone's celebrating. And here comes Iowa. You know, here comes the other team. We saw that a couple times tonight when Lawyer hit that three in the corner. Like, he was screaming at the crowd, and, and I get why he was doing that, but they were already at midcourt, sprinting down the other way. You know, so I do think Zach could have dunked a few tonight. I think that they're right about that in the chat. I also think they came quick on the double, like Jeff Park says here. Um, you know, maybe he could go before that double gets there. That's a fair critique. Uh, he wasn't necessarily as assertive tonight as he as he necessarily has been. He's had some success with that, uh, just kind of spinning into the guy and lowering his shoulder. And, and then I think they went under on screens. Their whole plan was to, you know, take Edie out of it. And then they did that, and he still got 14 and 14. So I, I, yeah. I'm slow on the criticism of Edie. But the problem the problem with just go and, and duck and go and assert yourself, 
is your inviting charges. Um, Absolutely. And we, we saw that a lot in the last two years. And we've seen him, you know, get more aggressive, try to step through that double team and whatnot. A lot of times in second halves or in the last 10 minutes when he's only got one foul. And he can afford yeah. to do it in that point in the game. But we don't want an IU scenario where he picks up two quick fouls or relatively quick fouls and has to go to the bench because we know, like, we've seen enough of a sample size to know how much our defense drops off when he's not protecting the rim. So when they're Can't coming that it. quick with doubles, and, and then when they're coming that quick, you know, it's really easy for us to sit on our couch or 60 feet away in the stands and say, well, this time it didn't come as quick. You should have went. <laughs> but when yeah. you're playing back to the basket and you're playing off feel, you yeah. don't have the same view that we do. And when they no. come that fast every time, then you're, you know, you're almost like assuming it's coming that quick. So you start looking out and whatnot. I thought there was one series where like Braden had a three footer, should have took it, kicked it out to Morton for a three. Morton misses it. Edie gets it. Edie only, Edie didn't have anybody around. Like there was one guy right there. He could easily put up a hook. He kicks it back out. Mm -hmm. That was maybe really the only play where I questioned like, should they, him and Braden both, should they have been more aggressive at that time? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think the other thing with Edie and, and all this is obviously he, you know, maybe he could have put up a couple more. I, I don't think we would disagree with that. Um, but the gravity that he has on the court is just insane. Like he has legitimately, you know, when I say gravity, I mean like, you know, in the NBA, they talk about it with like with Steph, like his gravity is the defense has to play so far out on Steph because of how good of a shooter he is. Defenses have to be so focused on the rim and at Edie. Like it just opens up so much other stuff too. Um, you know, there's, there's like the, the one play, the lawyer cross court skips to, to first, um, first knocks down his three in the f first half. Um, that's because of Edie. And I, it was a good pass by lawyer and it was a good shot by first. Don't get me wrong there, but that's because of Edie. That's, you know, lawyers on the wing. Edie's looking for a post up. They're like side, they're not fronting him, but they're kind of on the side. And then they have two guys on backside help one second from the top one from that weak side corner. Now first has nobody within 20, 30 feet of him because of Edie's gravity. Um, and so there's just stuff like that too. Like even when Edie doesn't have it going, we saw it with Nebraska um, the first game, like, and, and just Purdue just didn't make shots. Like just him being literally just him being eight feet from the rim opens up so much for everybody else. Even if he doesn't touch the ball for eight straight possessions. Yeah, for sure. And I Blake just put something in the chat here. And I know exactly what play he's talking about. Um, you need to remember that McCaffrey's six seven, yeah, <laughs> and that Braden Painter, Braden Painter is listed at six foot. He is not six foot. So like we we've seen uh, when we played Pickett from Penn State, Zach came over and would double sometimes because Pickett was so good at that post up. So I think there is certain situations where Painter tells Zach to go. Um, the rotation was it's, bad. the The problem wasn't Zach coming over. The problem was the rotation the off of that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's their rules. That's their defensive rules is to double the post like that. And so they they follow it adamantly. And Painter's okay giving up that layup. He's not okay with it, but the guy he's going to yell at isn't Edie. It's the, it's whoever was responsible for coming down and tagging the big there. 
Yeah. yeah, and to to some of your guys' points as far as some of the shots he could have had. At one point, he turned around, like you said, he's always expecting the double to be there or you know some physicality, and no one was there, and it threw him off a little bit, and he missed the shot because of it. It was like he just never sees that, so it like shocked him almost. And then I think the other thing that needs to be said, five blocks on the night, somebody mentioned it earlier in the night on the chat, he affects so many shots. I mean, this goes without saying, but he just affects so many shots that don't find it their way on the stat sheet. You know, from underneath the rim, guys, you know, maneuvering around the paint, trying to find their opening to throw it up, but they always have to change the trajectory of their shot. And then specifically for me, the observation I made is a few times guys had him one-on-one where he's guarding, you know, a guy at the free throw line, Rabracha, or, you know, a a guy at the three-point line like McCaffrey. And they put up the shot. They think, hey, I got a little bit of space. But with Edie, even if you've got a couple steps of space, that's still not enough because once Zach starts to extend his hands up, you've got to now shoot a lollipop to tr- to make the shot, which is probably not how they're used to shooting. You you need like four steps to really you know have an advantage when Zach's on you out there like that. So um, you know it certainly is something that uh, yeah. shouldn't go you know unnoticed. McCaffrey was uh you know Connor McCaffrey he was scared to go at Edie he he they get the switch because Purdue was kind of switch like late switching that four five screen um you know if if it was if it was both first and Edie involved um and Edie gets switched on to Connor McCaffrey they kind of clear out and you see teams do this a lot sometimes for you know sometimes like Walker burns he he burns Edie once but that was off ball purely on ball like guys don't actually want to go at Edie too much um, they have to take, it's either they take a tough pull-up jumper, um, or they're going to take a really contested shot at the rim most often because Edie's just going to, Edie's going to live with the jumper. He lives with the jumper and McCaffrey misses by five feet. So that was all I wanted to add. Yeah. And Rebraca, Rebraca took a couple of tough twos. He made a few, yes. he had the quietest 17 points on eight of 12 I've ever seen. I like I mean, to call really him, didn't feel his impact at all. I like to call him Rebracha. Rebraca. I'm just, I'm just okay, amazed that, that you say Rebaca confidently, but not Rafael. Like, Rebracha. <laughs> I like. I think Rebracha <laughs> sounds better. So I don't know if it's Rebraca, but he needs to move it to Rebracha if it is. Uh, let's um, go over a couple more guys. Uh, you know, we're 15 sure. minutes away from the hour and a half mark, and I still have an hour and a half to drive home. Uh, but. Um, you know, but I do want to, t- you know, highlight a few more guys. Um, so wherever you guys want to take it, I mean, I certainly think we should talk about Mason Gillis again. Um, you know, he had a couple huge threes here tonight. Uh, you know, he just continues to make an impact. Only 16 minutes of play, but gets into double figures, four rebounds, you know, just always making plays. And it kind of felt like, you know, he, you know, obviously not the nine threes, we saw the last time we were here at Mackey, but you know, once again, you know, one of them, you know, it certainly wasn't a spot up shot by any means. Like he walked into a three kind of sidestepping it, you know, as he gets the pass in. And I was really impressed by that three point make. If he's going to make threes like that, you know, other teams are in trouble. Uh, Craig, your observations from uh, Mason Gillis tonight. Oh, I mean, (laughs) you know, career percentage wise, you could argue that he's the best three-point shooter that Purdue has uh, over his career. I know he started out kind of slow this year. Uh, that was brought up. And then Purdue men's official basketball account um, kind of came at Jeff Goodman when he put that out there and showed his career numbers. 
Um, but I, I love it when Mason shoots confidently. Um, and I think he's, he's in that groove right now. And I, I sure hope we see that going forward. Um, he, there's a couple guys on this team that's like, man, your percentages say it's right, but they seem like if they hit one right away, they keep going. Um, but as soon as they miss one, it seems like they kind of shy away a little bit. Right now, Mason feels like he's going to shoot through that. We know lawyer's going to shoot through that. Like that dude don't care if he's one of eight. You know, he's got that Kobe mentality of like my ninth one's going in. I don't give a damn. <laughs> um, but 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 Braden and Mason, those guys, you know, their percentages are good. They got to go ahead and just keep firing away. Um, and I love seeing confident Mason Gillis out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think some of these will just go, and I'll uh, ask kind of each one of you singularly so we don't go around the horn and, and spread this out, but give us an opportunity to cover a few more guys. Um, you know, I guess we will we can go to, you know, let's stick to the guys that are in double figures first and foremost. Fletcher Lawyer, you know, I mean, not his best day shooting, but still ends up with 17. I think 17 is his lucky number. I've said this a few times here on these post-game shows, I feel like, and he always seems to fall on 17 points. On seven of sixteen shooting, only two of eight from three point land, uh, two rebounds, four assists in thirty four minutes of play. Uh, Joe, you know when you saw Fletcher Lawyer's night, obviously hit a big shot at the end. You know what did you make of Fletcher's night overall? Yeah, uh, specific that shot right at the end. Um, not you know not not coming from an analyst, but I'm in that student section. I'm in that that spot. Um, I, I was like four rows up today because shout out paint crew. Um, and, and the gods of Mackey for letting me, you know, do well in the lottery. But lawyer hits that three in the corner right in front of us, and it's just such a cool feeling. It's like, you know, I, the game was kind of over already, but it's it's the dagger. He turns, just screams at the student section with us. It's it's a just a cool feeling. Um, and one like, you know, I'll I'll just remember stuff like that for sure as as being a part of the paint crew. But getting to like his actual gameplay. Um, He's aggressive, 16 shots, and and most of them, I would say, were pretty good. I think he forced a couple threes in the first half after Purdue got off to that really hot start. Um, I, I think he forced a couple that was like, okay, maybe not, but, you know, he's so smooth. Um, You know, shoot, I guess, you know, he only went two of eight from three, but at five of eight from two, he had a couple big drives. He had a couple big pull-ups, like, just does what, you know, does a little bit of everything on offense. And, um, and then on defense, like, I, you know, I said IU was not a good defensive game for him. I thought he was fine this game. And, and for somebody like Lawyer, um, actually probably a little better than fine. He was His main matchup was Sanford and probably Ulyss, and they combined for 10 points in 40 minutes. Um, you know, he, he did solid. And so I thought it was just a you know pretty solid game. Obviously, you, you will hope for one or two more threes to fall down, but even then, still it was a good game. Yeah, you'll certainly and, take it, especially in a winning fashion. Um and then, like I said, you know, I just put it up with the the plus minus. He was plus twenty, and his plus yeah. minus. Caleb first leading the way at plus twenty four. Uh, the other guy that I, I really wanted to talk about, as we all like, we always seem to talk about the glue guy, but Ethan Morton, you know, plus fifteen in the plus minus. Some people hate plus minus. Some people love it. It certainly is a you know indicative of who he is as an impact player because he leads the team in minutes tonight at thirty six minutes. I, Craig mentioned it at one point here on Media Row, like. He's not going to get much of a break tonight because they need him with some of the mismatch problems that Iowa can give you with their personnel. Uh, but only five points, you know, 36 minutes on five points, a two and six shooting, three rebounds, four assists, uh, three fouls, uh, two turnovers. 
you know, so, you know, um, Aiden, you know, uh, as far as your thoughts on, on what Ethan Morton did tonight and, and the impact he makes without it really showing up in the stat sheet necessarily. Yeah, I thought he had a solid, you know, Ethan Morton kind of game. Um, knocked in a three there that that I, that was good to see. Um, shot the ball with some confidence tonight. Didn't always go in, but uh, you like to see that out of him. I thought he did his best on Murray. It's a tough assignment. Saw someone in the chat say his defense is a little overrated. Murray had whatever he wanted. You know, that's true, I guess, to some extent that Murray had whatever he wanted, but a lot of that was uh, went without Edie, you know, down there protecting the rim. And maybe that goes a little bit more to Raphael's point earlier about, you know, Edie being the the backstop, so to speak, that everyone's feeding, um, you know, the the offensive players into. And a lot of that, that stretch where Murray was going off, I know I wrote down in my notes uh, the – under 12 timeout, those four minutes, Murray had, I think, eight points, and Edie wasn't in during that stretch. Uh, so he just he, – he saw blood. And most – I'll tell you this, guys. Most teams see blood whenever uh, Kaufman, Wren, and Gillis enter the game from an offensive perspective of, okay, finally, we can – we got a breath of fresh air. We can go at these guys and not worry about Edie, not worry about Caleb first length bothering people. Uh, but tonight I thought Morton did a, you know, pretty good job, did, did what he did, and – um, was was obviously much better to have him out there than anyone off the bench if you just look at the the plus minus on that. So, yeah, continue to be impressed by Ethan Smarts. He's always in the right place. He always he, – I thought tonight he had a couple nice jobs where he attacked closeouts, created for others. He wasn't just going to automatically take the three tonight. He did a few times, which is good. But he also mixed in a couple times where he ripped and attacked, got a paint touch, created for somebody else. Um, and he's obviously pretty reliable against the press. You know, I know he – he may have had a few turnovers, but he's nice to have out there. And it got to the point in this game where Paint needed to have his best five decision makers out there. And obviously, I think tonight those were his starters. And and let's not forget, Chris Murray's a first-round draft pick. <clears throat> and, and we yeah, heard Ray yeah, Davis say earlier about when you get to March, you know, it's, it's about dominant players, um, whether that's dominant in the college game or NBA players. He said NBA players. Um that's that's what Chris Murray is. And against those types, it, it's like when we had Carson and other teams would be like, well, if we can limit him to 24, <laughs> if we if we can just keep him from going off for like a 30, 40 point night game, we did OK. All right. E- Ethan Morton is not likely. I don't want to say not, but not likely playing in a pro league anywhere when he gets out of college. And he yeah, held Purdue. Chris. And he he held Chris to 24, and I want to say eight or nine of those points came when he was completely off the floor altogether. Um, he did fine. He slowed him down. And against those type of guys, Chris Murray is going to be um, second-team All-American. He's the third-leading scorer in the Big Ten at like 22 a game. He basically held him in check at his average, and that's what you want to do. Absolutely. Um, Michael Hogg taking off for the night. We appreciate you as always tuning in. Um, you know, a couple, a couple more guys. Jeff Parks is uh, saying Caleb first is going to be doing an interview on field of 68 after dark tonight. So uh, who wants to listen to them when you can yeah, listen to us? You got us yeah. and Jeff's promoting. Except for when we, except oh, for when we bring field of 68 yeah. guys on and then exactly. we love them after <laughs> you are more than what we love the field of 68 guys. Even if Jeff Goodman, gets under our skin with his uh, assessments of Purdue. But outside of Jeff, we love the field of 68 guys. So after the show, go watch the Caleb first interview with the field of 68. Um, you know, a couple more guys before we give our game balls and, and close this thing out. But, you know, 
we can shake our pom-poms all day long on this show, and, and we will. This is the number one team in the country. They are they have great players from top to bottom. And I know my guy, uh, Bitcoin is Freedom, who always shows up in the comments after the shows are over. He's never in the live chat. He's just in the in the comments after the link is already posted on YouTube. He always is very he gets on us when we talk about Brandon Newman critically. And and I and I think TKR is somebody we should touch on both these guys because like I said, we can talk about the pom poms all day long, but. You know, Brandon Newman, only four minutes tonight, zero points on zero two shooting, zero, you know, no three, you know, only took one three, missed it, one rebound. You know, he had a turnover, uh, you know, at one point uh, it looked like he was open and they went the other way to Jenkins and it came back over to him and, and then he tried to force a drive in as the shot clock was winding down, gets blocked out of bounds. Painter immediately points to the bench. Ethan Morton, you come in. Brandon comes out, and from my observation as Brandon, because I always watch Matt Painters, and and especially when a, a mistake is made by anybody, I always look to see Painters' reaction to see like who he thinks is at fault. And in this instance, when Brandon came off, Matt said something to him, and I, I'm not anywhere close to knowing what it was, but Brandon turned around and said something back to him, and it, it was a normal conversation. I don't want to say that he was being insubordinate by any means because he wasn't. But Matt kind of doubled down to what he was trying to tell him or teach him. And then Brandon obviously is frustrated. He wants to play well. I get it. And he's got limited minutes on his team. They sit him down by the first assistant coach right at the front of the bench nearest to Painter. And then Painter and the assistant coach were kind of trying to talk to him about, you know, what they wanted out of him in that play. And I just think we're kind of in the same place we were last year with Brandon. And I know a lot of fans want to see the best for Brandon. We all do. It's very hard in that role. Matt Painter's talked about it a million times. If you're not getting many minutes, it's hard to get into a rhythm. Now it starts to seem like he's just not confident in many aspects of his game. He's still holding it down defensively when he's out there. He's still getting his rebounds when he gets his minutes. But, you know, it's you know, you when you get to the end of the season like this and you gotta hold on for dear life in games like this, you know, he's he's kind of getting the short end of the stick when it comes to the minutes. Uh, you know, Craig, I'll start with you. Who do you like? What do you think Brandon's got to do to kind of get hot again? I see somebody, people in the chat saying, love to see him have a standout game to boost his confidence, you know, before we get to March. You know, what's your assessment of Brandon Newman here so far? He's just got to make the right decisions. I, I mean, that's all it is. And, you know, we, we've heard Painter say a hundred times, um, you've got to do what you do well. Okay attacking the rim off the bounce is not what Brandon Newman does well. Um, he had a couple of times where he just made questionable passes, um, either against the press or just in a half court offense. Brandon just needs to do what he does well. And he needs to take the game as it comes to him. Um, and like you've said, there, there's, there's too many times where he he thinks he should have gotten the ball and had a shot, and then he'll get it a minute or two later, or not a minute or two later, a few seconds later, and because he didn't get it when he did, he just goes ahead and forces up that shot. Like he's got to let the offense come and and flow to him, and he's got to be a better decision maker on the floor and focus on what his strengths are. Either of you have yeah. anything to add to that before we talk about TKR quickly? Yeah, I can go. Um... One of the things the head coach at Oral Roberts, Paul Mills, one time he told me this phrase, which is the faster your brain moves, uh, the slower your feet do. 
out on the floor. And I think that applies to Brandon Newman. I think when the game gets sped up like it did tonight, and really a lot of the guys on our bench, when that game gets sped up, um, your mind just starts racing and then you can't think. And when you've got as many plays as, as Purdue has and the crowd's going crazy um, and there's length and guys jumping at you, you know, I think Brandon just needs to slow down, let the game come to him. And like Craig said, make better decisions. Like it, you got to make better decisions with the basketball. And, you know, I thought he maybe could have on the one he airballed, he probably could have pulled the trigger the first time he got it. And then it ended up being a tougher shot for him and he airballed it. And then, in you know, in transition against the press, shucks one out of bounds and you're like, ah, man, because you want him to do well. But he just right now isn't producing. And I think the game tonight was just too fast for him. And, and Painter looked at it and went, if I put you in in the second half, are we going to get two more live ball turnovers? Or what's the risk versus the reward? And right now for Brandon, I don't think from Coach Painter's perspective, I don't, I don't think the, the reward outweighs the risk with Newman right now. Well, and we talked to David Jenkins about this, and he said he's really, you know, he's at closest with Brandon Newman than he is anybody. And I think David is just such a great mentor for him because that's going to be his role, I mean, ultimately on this team. He's unlikely to find his way into the starting lineup next year, which is his senior year, if he chooses to stay, which at this point I think he would. He chose to stay this year, and I commend him for that by, uh, you know, you know, sticking his feet in the dirt and and – and, and taking on the role that Matt Painter is trying to fill him out for on this team. And I think Matt has shown him a lot of trust this year. You know, if he misses a shot here or there, he still stays in because he does hold it down on the defensive end. He does rebound the basketball, which is something this team needs help with outside of Zach Eady. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, you may not like plus minus. I mean, he's about even with that minus one. The other guy I wanted to talk about was Trey Kaufman Wren before we, you know, give out our game balls and, and close this thing out. Uh, Trey Kaufman Wren. Again, it's it's like, you know, he certainly has good things about his game, but we just keep talking about it. His strength, for me at least, his strength stands out. You know, um, he's able to get some shots up, but then at times it's a struggle because he's really getting bodied. And then on the defensive end, as Craig has pointed out numerous times, you know, he's really getting beat up on the glass. And, you know, it, it at one point I felt like David Jenkins did a better job of boxing out than, than Trey Kaufman ran all due respect, but – you know, uh, Joe, what do you think Trey Kaufman has to do here to finish up the year to like kind of, you know, get back on track to when he was like had that 20 point game and, you know, ha was feeling confident in his role? Because it just feels like he's kind of shaky here lately. I think it's just all physicality. Um, I, I think that's really where it is at this point is just figuring out how physical he can be um how to you know just deal with with opponents physicality because it seems like every the past four or five games every stint he comes in it's you know he i i opposing teams give him the same like physicality that evie gets um obviously take is like seven inches shorter and 40 pounds lighter or whatever i don't know what he's listed at um and so he gets the physicality. It's not called. So he's like, okay, now I can be super physical. But now it's like it goes back, and now he's getting some foul calls. And um, you know, I, I think the probably a decent amount of them are right, some of them are wrong. Who cares? Um, I think he's just trying to figure that out. And like, you know, it's another thing of like, he's this was his what 20, 25th game, um, and that's you know that's twenty five games. That's a decent. We're getting to a decent sample size, getting close to the end of the first year, but like. He still got. He still has time to figure it out um, in the future. Um, you know, hopefully that he can turn into just an eight to ten minutes. Um, um, 
you know, of just solid play, um, nothing crazy. I also think that like maybe he, he's just not quite built for the usage right now. Um, and I think he can be. If I mean, on our interview with Will Berg, he, when, he, when we talked about all the bigs, like TKR was the only one he was like, man, TKR is going to blow up at some point. Like then you talk to anybody, like that's what they say is TKR is going to blow up at some point, like just go off um, and really, really become productive. And so I think figuring out, figuring out the physicality is, is the big thing. And then just, um, you know, maybe when he's in Purdue, finding a way to maybe not have him at such a high usage rate as they seem to do, but also that's their offensive system. Well, Craig, do you think he he's, awesome I'm, I'm sorry, ahead, I was Greg. just going to say, do you think he's playing out of position? You know, I mean, because to me, they have him as the backup big to Zach Eady. They only throw it into him in the post. He's capable of making threes, so I know he can shoot the basketball. I never see him spot up, face up, and shoot. And I've said this a few times, and, yeah, he needs to get in the weight room as far as defensive glass and, and, and posting up and shit like that. But at the same time, I just think we're missing an element of his game that he does have currently, and that's shooting the basketball. Maybe they're not telling like, – right now you're not shooting the basketball because we're trying to be an efficient offense, and, and your three-point shot is the 20th best shot we can take on an offensive possession, I guess. But at the same time, I think it's going to help him – kind of you know grow into more of who he is so do you think he's playing out of position no i don't think he's playing out of position i i think he's a small five that eventually will have that like he does have that step out ability to hit a three um i just don't think that's a focus with everything else we have going on in this offense right now by any means i, I where i get confused when i listen to you guys talk about this is like when I look at TKR, I think that dude is the most ripped guy on the entire team. Like, like I think he is ripped. I don't understand the like get in the weight room. That's what maybe just gain no, I weight. I wasn't saying like, that. I'm saying adjust to where the like where he can be physical. And but like I think sometimes yeah. he becomes too physical and it hurts him. Right. But but Greg talks about getting in the weight room. I think that dude is ripped. Uh, I think it's more technical. And doing the technical things in game speed, because sometimes like he just lets himself get buried too far under the basket on rebounds. And then he like kind of looks around like, oh, <laughs> I was under the basket instead of being two feet out and boxing out or making a read fast in terms of, of sticking to defensive tech techniques when somebody's coming at him or when a big man's trying to back him down. And I think it's really important to remember Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith are freshmen that are playing far beyond what we expect freshmen to play like in the Big Ten. TKR is playing like a freshman in the Big Ten. Like, th yeah. this is what yeah. we normally expect from freshmen. Like, you're going to have things to clean up and keep learning. You're going to have games where you have standout opportunities, and you're going to have games where you look like you're a freshman and you need to keep learning things. I have no yeah, doubt also that he's going to be an impressive player going forward. But, you know, Brantley's got to spend some time with him, obviously just, just being a bigger defensive presence in the block. Yeah. And I think, you know, two things, one, it's hard to throw him the ball. Like his defender engulfs him a lot of the time. Um, he's really, he's, you know, that's just his size. You know, I think when he has a featured role, there will be more five out stuff where you can pull him away from the rim, dribble at guys, run, you know, double Chicago action to use. We got to get one mention of that here in the show. You, uh, you know, get that on both sides where he can pick the side and then go 
But the other thing, guys, is, you know, he, he's got a seven foot four giant sitting on that bench where whenever he makes a mistake, he's looking over like, oh, shoot, is, is he is Zach running to the scoreboard? You know, I mean, it, that, so it's it's a situation where he's playing behind the national player of the year. He rarely ever has a chance to get into rhythm. And anytime he turns it over or does, misses a box out or whatever, you know, he's kind of looking over there like, oh, don't put, you know, don't put Zach in, don't put Zach in. Uh, and so I think that that affects him too. And I do think like the way people talk about this guy inside the program gets me pretty excited, even if the results haven't, or it's, even if it's been pretty up and down on the floor. He also had a dime to Morton tonight for a layup, which was nice Tra- as well to see. Travion Williams like. Yeah, I, yeah, I certainly think he has a lot of potential, but um, no, I mean, I'm not saying he's not chiseled. Um but I mean, strength-wise, <laughs> I, I do think he needs to get his strength up. I mean, oh. I see a guy that that does get pushed around when he's, you know, when he's trying to post up, and we're going off of, and maybe it's skewed because I'm just so used to watching Zach Eady and Travion Williams, you know, and those dudes are huge. But I do feel like, you know, I I personally feel like he's he's more of a four than he is a five, even though he has a really good post-up game. You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, just by like the standard of how I've watched basketball for, you know, the last 20 years, like to me, he's a guy that could float out to the three point line every once in a while. We just haven't seen any of that this year. He just gets on the block and, you know, he does his thing at times, but lately it has been somewhat of a struggle. So, you know, I don't, you know, I don't really know how much more weight he can put on, but I certainly don't think it's going to hurt with the pounding you have to take to play in the post and be successful in the big 10. That being said, you are going to have Willie Berg here next year. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, they play off each other and, and who knows if Zach, he's going to stay or go. I mean, that'll be the, the question of the, of the month when we get, when the season's over, but that's for, that's there's, a story. There's a lot day. more guys right now saying go <laughs> than stay. Yeah, um, for sure. The, the, um, the narrative changed all of a sudden. And now NBA execs are like, there's a spot for him in the NBA. Da da da. So I, I would put my money on TKR starting at the five and Berg backing them up next year. That's personally. right. The b- bricklayer lingo, Chad chiseled. Um, so, all right. Well, I think that wraps things up for tonight. Like I said, you know, uh, we can always throw flowers at this team, but, you know, we're going to try to give a critical eye to what we're watching as well uh, to give you the best analysis we possibly can here on Boilers in the Stands. And uh, once again, everyone, if you're still tuned in this long, that means you're really enjoying what you're seeing. Please, if you're in the YouTube chat, still around 70 people in the YouTube chat, uh, please hit that like button for us on your way out here tonight. Really appreciate everyone tuning in. you know, we'll have games where we all give out a game ball, but just like last game, we only gave out one. We're going to only give out one again today. We all know who that guy is. Anybody want to take it, give that game ball. Craig, go ahead, give the game ball out. Braden Smith, Braden. Uh, the Wizard of Westfield. The Wizard yeah. of Westfield. I don't know about that one. Everybody says it's what it is. I know it's his thing. The they made Wizard. a shirt with it. I know. It's just such a <laughs> that's fine. He wants to be the wizard of Westfield. I'm not gonna fight Braden Smith on it. He certainly is a wizard, magician, whatever you want to say with that basketball. It's a lot of fun to watch him play. So Braden Smith, you get the game ball here tonight. Uh once again, shout out to our sponsors, uh Auto Owners Insurance and Shire Insurance. Those guys are taking care of us and we want to take care of them. Make sure you call them or visit their website 
at www.shireinsurance.com or call 219-663-7274 and they'll help you out with all your insurance needs. Uh, They're Boilers fans too, so you're helping out the family there. And, of course, my guys over at Fanbags Cornhole, the official supplier of Chicago Cornhole Boards and Bags. So uh, make sure you go ahead and visit them at www.fanbagscornhole.com and use the promo code BRAGS for 10% off. This is their new logo. So shout out to those guys as well. Appreciate you guys being in our corner here at Boilers in the Stands. Thanks for everybody for tuning in here tonight. Uh, appreciate the kind words here as we wrap things up. Uh, the Midwestern goodbye is officially upon us. I have an hour and a half drive on my way home. It's 1020 at home. Luckily, I live central time. So if I leave right now, I will be home by midnight. But I enjoy being able to sit down and, and do the post game show like this. So no complaining from me while we cover the number one team in the country. Uh, certainly a lot more fun than covering my bears who are the worst team in football. So uh, we're having fun with this. I'm wrapping it up. Uh, no final thoughts or final anything. We're just going to say good night. Matt painters had enough of me talking and that's exactly what we're going to do. So good night, everyone. Uh, we'll be back Sunday afternoon, yep. 2 PM Eastern, 1 PM central. Boilers versus the North. The only important sporting thing that day. What's that? That's the only important sporting thing that day. Bigger than the Super Bowl. Everyone will be tuned into Boilers in the stands for the pregame. That's basically your pregame before the Super Bowl. You know, uh, the Eagles and the Chiefs uh, going on. See, you got me on a tangent. But, uh, you know, so excited for Sunday. Magic numbers down to three, four, if you want to do the outright. But it's certainly three. Could be down to two by Sunday. Make sure you tune into our post game show on Sunday. We're going to be having a lot of fun talking hoops. Maybe I'll have a few drinks in me too. Who knows? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Good, good luck to George Carlaf. How do you want? How do Carlaftis. 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 Rabracha. Rafael. Okay, I'm getting it down. <laughs> you get, have a good night, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you tune in. Hit that like button, and always boiler up.